keeping a home, opening a successful business. People, are you ready? Meet your personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lee. Get ready for Leave on the Loose. Who will help you get started in building your real estate empire. Grow your self-confidence, find your grit, and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. You're a player. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee. This is probably the most exciting show we've had to date. I have Professor Embol Shockham on the line, and if you don't know anything about Embol Shockham, you should read her up. There was an article I was reading in St. Louis. There was an article I was reading about this lady. Professor Shockham is a behavioral science and health education professor. She works at the College for Public Health and Social Justice at St. Louis University College for Public Health and Social Justice. It's kind of good that she does College of Public Health at the College of Public Health, but there you go. I'm reading her research interests, and what's so important is in the era of coronavirus, and I know a lot of you are just thinking, what does this have to do with real estate? Well, it turns out that the coronavirus is on your shoes and the coronavirus is in the air and all these things, the floor and the air are in the real estate. And I keep reading on the Facebook and I keep learning about these things. And Embal, who's a professor, studies infectious and chronic disease and she she knows what's going on. And I'm so sick of hearing about people that just guess. And I just need to ask one question just to start this whole thing off. Why is Bill Gates giving us coronavirus? Like, what is the story here? Like, I read on the Facebook that Bill Gates is intentionally creating this coronavirus because he's going to get a cure. And Embo, Professor, tell me. He's not doing that. I will say that he has not developed the virus, although it would be lovely to be able to blame one person and have it go away. I so don't think that's that untrue. we're there. That's untrue. <laughs> it is untrue. What about the 5G, though? Because I understand that the 5G is, I thought they had something to do with Bill Gates, but the 5G, the network, it seems that on the Facebook I read, it seems like, should I be afraid of 5G? I don't think so either. I, I, I wish in a time um, of working from home, we had 5G so that we were better ready to be working from home. So just so I understand, because I don't know if I should trust you, because I read on the Facebook that it's 5G, and I read that it's Bill Gates, and you're telling me it's not. Tell me what you do. Who are you? Why should I care as a professor of public health? What is public health? So public health is like, um, I would say it's like a, a good, loving family. When it works, you don't question it. You don't wonder which part works. You just know that it feels good and everything's fine. But when it's broken, it, it shows you um, how it can be broken. Um, and then you question all of those pieces. And so, in general, public health is here to improve the health of our communities and our, our population. So things like clean water, clean air, access to nutritious food. I like all those things. I like these things. Those keep are going. good things. Yeah. They, they keep us alive longer, right? So our... In general, we are healthier and we live longer than we ever have before. Uh, the, the changes, um, our, our public health systems are, have been, uh, kind of broken in, in some ways because we, we weren't prepared for this pandemic. Um, we have lots of budget cuts. We've had lots of budget cuts for our public health infrastructure. And so when a pandemic like coronavirus comes into our country, it, we are scrambling to respond to it. 
So just to make it a little more tangible for me, because I'm understanding and I get it. And just for background, everyone, I got my doctor, not my doctoral, she's the doctor. I, I got my master's degree with Emble while she was becoming uh, Dr. Emble. And um, this professor over here, what she does, and you have to understand, is that she works to eliminate public health crises. So when you're saying there's clean water, just so I understand, Professor, this doesn't just happen out of the blue. Like when I put up, I open my sink, is there like a process here? Like I, I don't think, I think people think these things just happen through magic. Well, I, you know, you kind of can consider it magic because I think science is sometimes magical, right? We figured out how to clean our water so we don't have cholera or that we don't get sick and die and have diarrheal diseases. So, That's pretty good. I think there are lots of places in the world that don't have that access. So what you're saying, though, is that we figured it out. Educated scientific community has figured out how to intervene and stop people who otherwise would have got sick for things like cholera. And now you're telling me that we don't notice public health as – I love that quote. We don't notice it when it's working well, but we notice it while it's broken. And so you've been working with – this coronavirus, this COVID-19, since before it, when it was in China. So tell me about that. So the work I, I primarily do now is specifically focused on geospatial and uh, health. Big so word. that really looks at, it's a big word. It really means where you are and um, how you are connected in your community. So what we know is that we were looking at the situation in China. We were monitoring it. We were saying, okay, where is it going to go next? When was this when started, you started? Uh, in December. Okay. December 2019. So we started looking at these cases in China. We started modeling, modeling what does it look like to for international airports and the international travel across these airports because we figured it would be traveling outside of China pretty easily. I don't mean Swiss to cut way. you off, but I, I have to ask yeah. because I understood when I was watching the news that in December 19th, it was a democratic hoax. And so how did you know that this wasn't a democratic hoax in December 19th to go study this? Right. It's a good question. I think ultimately I recognized that it was a disease. It's an infectious disease and it looked like it sounded like it was uh, really tr easily transmissible. So lots of people were getting sick in China, and we weren't getting real data. And so that was a little bit scary for public health, I will say. World Health Organization helped us get into China and learn a little more. But ultimately, we waited for too long, in my book, to identify that this was likely going to hit the United States and all over the world. So you worked with the World Health Organization? Is that what you're saying? No, I was I was uh, watching and waiting, basically, for what the World Health Organization was going to be able to do and learn from going into the going into China and getting access to their data. And just to be clear, when you're saying that their data they weren't readily giving out their data from China, like they were they were very secretive about the data. Well, I would say that um, most countries probably don't report up to World Health Organization with open borders. Okay. China specifically. Uh, more secretive than other countries, I would. So let's go back to argue. December nineteenth. So December nineteenth, yeah. you start checking out, as you were saying, um, looking at the data from China, and it was yeah. sparse data. And how did we know it was going to come to the U.S.? We just estimated. What does that mean? Like, how, Our, 
Like, well, you guess, right? So you guess and you say, our communities are connected. Our world is really small. We, we can fly and get to China within 24 hours. So where else is this going to go and how quickly is it going to get there? And where else is this already? Uh, what we're learning now is that it was way out of China earlier than we thought it was. So and looking at how the virus acts, it's, it's just really easily transmitted. You just said something very interesting. You said it was way out of China earlier than we thought it was. And I keep hearing yeah. this term called community spread. And yeah. there's a big debate going on about whether community spread could be stopped by a travel restriction. We keep hearing about, I closed the border, I stopped them from coming in, I did this, I did that. But if it's already in a community with community spread, does that make any difference? Well, it limits the number of people who are coming into your community who may be sick as well. So each person that comes in sick to your community increases the number of people who are then exposed to another person getting sick. Right? So it's, it's an effective strategy. So how exposed are they if they're in your community? So someone's in my community and they're giving community spread. Are they going to get one person infected, a lot of people? What am I looking at? Well, it depends if they stay at home. Right? So if you shelter in place and if you're sick, you should be at home and not leaving your house until you're uh, clear for at least two weeks, not feeling any more symptoms. But what we're not seeing is that people are adhering to, there's not a, a country level stay at home policy. So we don't, we have people moving around our communities that is transmitting COVID 19 in ways that we can't predict or prevent. So to break that down, what you're saying is, and I think you correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, if one place like a county or a state is doing shelter in place, that might be effective for that two weeks. And I want to hit that back in a second and really understand why that's effective. But what you're really yeah. saying is because people are so transient in between one area that has shelter in place and one area that doesn't, the fact that someone's sheltering in place, it's not stopping the spread because it's coming back from the other place. It's definitely slowing down the spread, though. It is slowing down. Yes, and, right? It's definitely slowing down the spread. I think that if everyone had open movement, we would see a far more death. And I think what's happening in New York is a good example of um, this is a, a very communicable disease. This is dangerous and, and deadly. And it's not what, you know, we anticipated this, but we didn't, we didn't know to what extent the mortality rates would be evident. So, so, yeah. You, oh, so what I wanted to know, though, you said New York is a really good example, and I'm living it here. And you're yeah. you're a former East Coast gal yourself, so I'm sure you know a lot of friends and family that are talking about what's yeah. happening at the tri-state level. And so what we're doing right now is we're talking to Professor Embel Shockham, and she is a professor at the College for Public Health and Social Justice at St. Louis University. And she's been studying, and I couldn't believe this, the coronavirus, COVID-19, all the way back from December 19th. And what we're doing right now is we're talking about the effectiveness of shelter in place. And I have a lot of questions about that, Ms. Shockham. So, Professor, what we're going to do is we're going to have you come back right after the break. We're going to take a quick break now. And in the second segment, I want to know how shelter in place works. Stay with us. Have you ever dreamed of owning a rental property, flipping a home, opening a successful business? This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee. 